Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The world says goodbye to an American original. Ron DeSantis calls for a grand jury. I mean, Nuremberg. And I identify as by caramel. Yes, all of that on a WTF Wednesday. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. It's time for some critical thinking. You look puzzled there, Mr. Pat Oni. You said by caramel, isn't it by caramel? Are we getting into the debate between caramel and caramel? Are, are we Apparently. going there? How dare you? How you bigot? You absolute uh, bigot. You must affirm my identity. Affirm me, you I, I was, bigot. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, I am affirming your identity. I'm just saying it's pronounced by caramel, not caramel. It's That's caramel. all I'm saying. It's the same thing. You bigot. How is that bigotry? Because I don't identify with that word. I identify with caramel. You're saying it wrong, though. Am I? Who are you to be the language police, Pat? What's a woman after all? We're going to get into that later as well because it's a loaded WTF Wednesday. But before we get into all of that... We do have a serious topic at hand. Um, yesterday, um, we literally got the news breaking. I mean, the second that we hit stop on recording yesterday's show, that um, Mississippi State football head coach Mike Leach passed away after a massive heart attack um, at the age of 61. Um, and, and I mentioned this up front. He is an American original. Um, he is a Mormon or had Mormon faith. Um, he graduated, I think, 86 or 83, 86. Yeah, 86 from BYU. Um, you don't go to BYU 
as a normal student if you're not Mormon, right? Uh, you can, by the way, just throwing it out there. It's it's an oddity, though. It is, it is not, an oddity, but you can. Right, right. I'm just saying that, it, by and large, the vast, vast, vast majority are uh, of that faith. Um, that having been said, um, he's also an American original because he didn't care about your politics. He didn't care about this. He wrote books on indigenous uh, guerrilla warfare and um, all these crazy history topics. By the way, did you know that he has a um, that he had a law degree? Did no, you I didn't know, know that, that he? Yeah, this this is a this is a man who believed in true academic pursuit, not in woke academia, but in pursuing academics. Um, Mississippi State and Washington State were known as as two of the schools that you know they would graduate all their players. He he put an emphasis on them actually being present and learning in the classroom. And he was a man of many many talents. I mean, he wrote books as I mentioned, not on football, on life. He taught classes at Mississippi State. That's right. He was a professor at Mississippi State. Um uh beyond all of the other duties he had as the head coach. He lived in Key West alongside Pullman, Washington, and uh, Starkville, Mississippi. And one of my favorite things, and I couldn't find the actual video here. I just couldn't. But um, one of my favorite moments, Pat, to tell you, give you an example of who Mike Leach was. After Mississippi State had just won a very uh, big game against Vanderbilt a few years ago, when Vandy was uh, uh, making a rise up the SEC, and they needed that victory. They got it in Starkville. And Mike Leach spends the entire um, post-game interview on the sideline on the SEC network talking about his favorite candies. He was he was like, you know, um, he talked about how he loved uh, nerds and... He's like the boxes of sprees back in the day, it, it, you know, the, the ones that you get at the box office. And like he literally spent like three minutes ranking his favorite candies. After just winning a football game. <laughs> and by the way, he loves Almond Joy, apparently, if he was going to go with a candy bar. Re- I know you don't I- like coconut, right? No, I don't like coconut. I don't like. Well, I'm, I'm not a huge almond person either, but uh, yeah. there are some cases where almonds good. Which is weird for me because I actually like um like armoretto cake and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that armoretto is really kind of like an almondy based um liqueur. And that being said, um an absolute American original. Um one of the people who um this is what America is supposed to be about, right? You he made something of himself. He by the way, he never played a lick of football. A lick of football beyond high school. Not one down of football. Yeah, he, he was, was on a very the BYU rugby coach. team back in the 1980s. <laughs> it just goes to show you that you don't have to play to coach. Coaching is about leadership, about understanding the game, but you never have to necessarily play it at a super high level to be able to coach it at a super high level. What he was able to do at Washington State, at Texas Tech before that. And I saw this. Um, at one point in time, it there were three coaches 
that ended up becoming like I so Cliff Kingsbury and the players too. Cliff Kingsbury was on that team on one team with mm. um Sonny Cumbie and another individual. And I forget who the third person was. There were three players on the same Texas Tech team that are all now head coaches at a at a FBS school. And and he had three assistants that went on to win national championships on one team one year. <laughs> Not to mention Mike Leach himself. Uh, just incredible, incredible uh, life, career. Um, I, I absolutely enjoy the crap out of how he treated life. Like He treated life as if it needed to be lived until the final moment, and that's exactly what he did. Um, he even donated his organs and... Um, you know, made sure to uh, his family made a, you know, a statement that was very Mike Leach-esque, if you will. I'm um, talking about caring about life rather than football. And um, I thought that was very apropos of them. Um, so we wish that family peace and healing um, because this is such a a tragic event. When you when you deal with a uh, sudden loss like this, whether it's through a heart attack or a car accident or or whatever have you, it is very difficult uh, to process. It's devastating. Yep. It's devastating. So we wish we wish nothing but the best to uh, Mike Leach's family, his close friends, um, those of us who had the rare occurrence to interact with him. Um, I got to do that one time. I got a chance to be involved in a scrum, you know, where where you get to to sit around or stand around and, and interview him with like 30, 40 other individuals. So, you know. Never really knew him. I got a chance to interact with him and see how he treated the media. And and he treated the media um, the way he treated everybody, which was nice. Um, he didn't. He wasn't above the media. Now, he might have been quirky with the media, might have not cared about the questions the media were asking. And that's by and large due to the fact that the media sucks at asking questions, especially the sports media. Oh, and you know that, Pat. That's one of my biggest oh, brothers yeah. Um, yeah. about sports media is how dumb they are in post-game interviews and in pre-game interviews and sideline interviews. It's the most useless part of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, ultimately, this is a big loss for, you know, obviously the Leach family, um, his, his players, the, you know, any, any students interacted with them. Um, it, it's, it's a big loss for the college football world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, that having been said, there's much more to life than college football and sports. Um, and we have a, another semi, well, very serious topic to talk about. And I hinted at this at the top of the show. Ron DeSantis is going to go full Nuremberg, Pat. We've talked about this, the need to to go Nuremberg here. <clears throat> and he has ordered um, alongside Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladopo. Yeah, Ladopo, right? Um, but sure. he is one of the people, by the way, the, the Surgeon General of Florida is one of the people who was on the uh, non-COVID insanity team from almost the jump. And literally, he I would credit him with being the one who kind of jump-started Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida down the path of, yeah, we're not playing that game. But um, he announced this with other health officials that um, – 
He is going to petition the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a grand jury to investigate any wrongdoing related to COVID vaccines. Um, yeah, the, it's going to be focused on accountability for the COVID mRNA shots. And yesterday, I think we talked a little bit about this, about the University of Heidelberg and, and the study that was done there, correct? Uh, a little bit. Okay. So the study that was done there, and 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 hopefully you got what I was putting down, um, but the study basically looked at the people who came in within 20 days of a COVID vaccine and died in 2021, not 2022, just in 2021. There were 35 at just that specific location. And of those 35, um, 10 of them passed away due to complications of COVID. Okay, so you throw those, those out. But the remaining 25 either are suspected of or proven to have passed away due to complications from getting the shot within 20 days. So three weeks of getting the, the, the first, the second, or the booster shot or whatever have you throughout 2021. And what they found in every single one of those cases was that that of the 25, 20 of them had no pre-existing heart condition whatsoever, none. And yet they all died of a heart condition. Five of them had pre-existing heart conditions in which that's why there's that maybe category. They, they can't fully tell you that those other five individuals passed away because of the shot. What they can surmise is that the individuals had likely pre-existing conditions that they knew nothing about, and the shot likely exacerbated them, and thus they passed away. That's This is just the tip of the iceberg of all of the other mRNA data, and we talked about this, what, uh, well, did we talk about it, or was it when I was by myself? I think you might have been by yourself, because I don't remember that much. Because we also talked about the mRNA um, vaccines. No, you might have been here for this. We had talked about the mRNA vaccinations and um, the linking to genetic code. So basically um, creating autoimmune disorders within people because they're because the spike protein in the mRNA vaccination is is changing and altering the actual coding of the human genome. And that's what they're showing through new scientific research. And it's thus creating the environment in which the body is just continuously creating the spike protein. So when I talk about autoimmune disorders, what a lot of people don't understand about them is that a lot of autoimmune disorders are basically your body continuously attacking itself and thus making you sick. Um, it attacks your joints. It attacks your muscles. It'll attack your inner workings, right? So, for instance, Crohn's disease. This is a great example of that. If you don't suppress the, the immune reaction and you allow Crohn's disease uh, to flare up, it is in... It is a continuously cycling autoimmune response from your body. Basically, your body believes that there is poison within your bowel system. 
okay? And it's going to continuously attack it. And how does how does your body expel that poison, right? Through fecal matter, right? Um, and so when you have a Crohn's disease or that type of an autoimmune response, that's usually your body's way of expelling the poison. There's a problem because for people that have Crohn's disease or a gluten allergy or um, these autoimmune responses, your body is continuously believing that it's under attack and it never stops. And that's a problem in and of itself. It creates problems for people's daily lives and their ability to function. Um, you might not know it, but people are in constant pain. Um, you know, and, I, and I've been very open about my journey through understanding that a gluten allergy and food sensitivities have created these issues for myself. And so I, I intimately understand how these things interact with your body. Now we're expected to have taken four or five of these mRNA shots when we also know through further research of these shots, not all mRNA technology, but these specific shots are creating genome sequencing that is tricking your body into believing it is constantly under attack. Because why? The the whole premise of the, the shot is that there's a spike protein, right? It is trying to mimic the spike protein in your body. Problem is that it doesn't have an off switch. It doesn't, doesn't have a way to tell your body, okay, we're done. And now it's just continuously attacking people's systems and creating massive autoimmune issues, massive respiratory issues, heart issues. There is not a system of your body that scientific research suggests is not being attacked by continuously presenting a spike protein in your body through these mRNA vaccinations. I tell you these stories so that you understand the gravity of the CDC doctor, excuse me, the science trademark, the truth registered trademark, Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci, have been pushing upon us. That Pfizer has been pushing upon us. AstraZeneca, um, Moderna, with full immunity, by the way which is the craziest thing I have ever heard of. We're going to rush something to market for in nine months. And then, by the way, shh, screw the consequences. What Ron DeSantis is attempting to do here, Pat, for me, is twofold. He is attempting to get ahead of Donald Trump. Because what he's going to do here is... He's going to hold accountability sessions, basically, right? He is going to attempt to impanel a grand jury to understand the significance, the, uh, the, the depths of what was taking place here and see where the criminality can exist. Because here's the deal. The federal government signed a deal with Moderna, with Pfizer, right? With Bi BioNTech to do what? to give them immunity from federal prosecution. Did the state of Florida do that? 
Last night I checked, nope. Did the state of Illinois grant immunity from state prosecution? I don't know a single state that did that. Do you? Nope, I don't. So I give you the scientific information to help you understand exactly why Ron DeSantis would be doing this. Number one, there's scientific reason for it. Number two, there's significant political reason for it because we already know Donald Trump is running for president in 2024. How does Ron DeSantis fight that fight without, without announcing his run? This is a great example of that. He is going to be the center of a accountability for COVID-19. He's going to be the epicenter of the outrage that people are about to see and feel on a very epic level. And this also goes to the Twitter story, right? Because we're also seeing Robert Malone, uh, Jay Bhattacharya, um, and a few others be reintroduced into the Twitter discussion, right? And Robert Malone is the inventor of mRNA technology, folks. If there is anybody who understands this technology better than him, I'd love to meet it. I'd love to meet that person. That having been said, we are seeing that reintroduction of that scientific discussion in the face of the left. They're, they're, they're having to confront this reality now because they can't ignore these people. They can't shut them out anymore. Elon Musk is taking the limiter off of the COVID-19 discussion, right? But Ron DeSantis um, announced a public advisory board for oversight of the public health establishment as well. He didn't just say, I'm going to impanel a grand jury. We're also going to have a public health establishment oversight, a public advisory board. This is a board that's going to advise the public and provide oversight of the establishment within the state of uh, the state of Florida going forward. He is, on the one hand, holding them criminally accountable and then socially accountable. I've just he's given the, the keys. Or, or the tools, if you will, to be able to fight this fight, right? Meanwhile, what do we have from his chief potential 2024 political opponent here, Pat? Donald Trump is jab harder. Donald Trump is defending his Operation Warp Speed. As the Daily Wire points out, DeSantis is interested in data from mRNA vaccine makers over concerns that they may be withholding information about side effects from the jabs. These concerns have been spurred by studies linking an increase in myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart muscle, in teenagers and young adults after receiving the mRNA vaccine. And it's not just that. There, it is so much deeper than that. And this goes to Ben Shapiro in his ilk at the Daily Wire, who still to this day believe that, that um, they were right up and just misled. Right. They were just misled. And had they had the information, they would have maybe done something a little bit different. This is coming from that crowd. So they're very slow to the get up. Right. They're, they're the ones that uh -huh. are the last out of the block when it comes to understanding the depths to which this has has been. Um, the depths to which we have sunk as a society. OK, that. 
the position of the Daily Wire is very out front when it comes to mandating a vaccine. But if you talk to Ben Shapiro, he'd still tell you to get the vaccine, right? If you talk to Michael Knowles, still get the vaccine. No. The reality is that the information as we get more and more of it suggests that you and I were in the right from point one of why we didn't want to get the vaccine, Pat. Point one that we made from the very get-go was what? There's not enough information for us to be able to make an informed decision. We don't know the ramifications of taking this. So until I can get a full grasp of that, or at least a modicum of a fuller picture of what these things could or couldn't do to my body, I'm not putting it into my body. And as it turns out for people like me, people like you, who are already predisposed to certain issues, this could exacerbate those issues and potentially lead to massive cardiac issues. I mean, we look at uh, the story this week, former Badger, former UCF Golden Knight, Jake Hescock, um, 25 years old, just graduated a few years ago or a year ago, out for a jog. Gone. See you later. Massive heart attack, died. Ow. He was forced to get the jab. The CDC still tells you that mRNA myocarditis events are rare yet potentially serious. They're the most common side. This is the most common side effect for those under the age of 50. Uh, In fact, um, there was a study in Florida that saw an 86% increase in cardiac-related activity from people 18 to 39 from mRNA shots. And that's according to the WFLA, a local NBC affiliate in Florida. Now, they're suggesting that um, as well that uh, Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna were being required by the FDA to study um, the potential long-term effects of myocarditis after COVID vaccines, and the early results are going to come next year. I guarantee you that they're going to fudge those numbers like you wouldn't believe, Pat. Guarantee it. Um, we don't but, need these guys to study this information. We no, don't need we don't. them to do that. Why? Because we already have this information from everywhere else in the world. Not just here in the United States. We don't even have to look here. We have the data in real effing time. By the way, an 86% increase in cardiac-related activity. Is that bad? Yeah, that's terrible, Pat. Yeah, That's, okay. that's, that's sure. not good. Yeah, no. Because yeah. here's the other part of this, right? An 86% in, in that, what does that lead to 5, 10, 15 years down the road? For those individuals that are 18, 16, 14, suddenly passing out on the on the soccer field or the fo- during a football game or or on the basketball court, like we've heard. If I'm a parent, am I taking that chance? Knowing what I should know about the possibilities of the the death of my child from COVID-19. Exist at point zero 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 eight. That's four zeros and an eight. 
after a point, after zero point. If I'm doing the math, that's a eight ten thousandth of a chance. You have a greater chance of dying of the flu, of anything else. Literally anything else. You, Your son or daughter has a greater chance of being struck by lightning and dying. Just so you know. They have a much greater chance of getting in a car and killing themselves or somebody else. Like, probably by about a million X. Yet you're going to allow them to get their license, right? And then potentially drive. I, I love using that example when I talk to people who have kids and ask them, why do you allow your kid to have a driver's license then? Why? And by the way, they're more likely to have a car accident um, at, at that younger age than, than say you and I would because there's been studies done about brain development and, and the ability to drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, those same studies suggest that 21 to 24 is probably the right age range for for that. If you wanted to right. go through brain developmental um, situations, I understand the societal implications of this because let's just put it this way. Given our workforce, I would suggest that um, we are better off putting the, let's put it this way. We are better off putting the driving age, the drinking age, everything age, all on one playing field. Because it's about maturity, right? Brain development right. and maturity. Okay. So why not? And more importantly, there are a lot of jobs that you can do at the age of 16 today that you couldn't do when you and I, right? We don't need to go fry at McDonald's, right? We don't need to sit there at the counter at McDonald's at the age of 16 anymore. I could sit behind my computer and earn a crap ton more money right? by using coding skills or graphic skills or um, becoming a Twitch superstar or whatever have you, right? There's no need for it. Right. The days of having to have a car because you needed independence to go to work or school or this or that, they're almost done and dusted. But that having been said, um, the Daily Wire did reach out to Pfizer and Moderna for a response to DeSantis. And Pfizer spokesperson said in a statement, quote, regulatory agencies across the world have authorized the use of our COVID-19 vaccine. These authorizations are based on robust and independent evaluation of the scientific data on quality, safety, and efficacy, including our landmark phase three cl clinical trial. Data from real-world studies complement the clinical trial data and provide additional evidence that the vaccines provide effective protection against severe disease. That is a flat-out lie. That is a flat-out lie. And this is, this is the thing that we have to get, get our heads around from our perspective, Pat. We have already debunked the, the myth of this will prevent you from getting it. We've already debunked that it will prevent you from spreading it. Then the third pillar is that it will protect you against severe disease and death. This is an absolute scientific impossibility for you to know. The only way that you would possibly know this, Pat, 
is if every single person, if every single person had COVID already, you then gave them the vaccine and you studied it from there. Why do I say that? I say that because unless, unless you already have had it and then you're getting a vaccination, how, how do you quantify my reaction to COVID-19 versus somebody who has the vaccine? You have no idea. I didn't have severe disease when I got COVID. I got sick for a couple of days um, and I had a cough for about seven to 10 days, a little bit of a runny nose for a few days. That's it. But guess, guess what? When I have a cold, I get a cough for about 10 days, right? Okay. Now, the only thing that was different is I got flu-like symptoms. I got, you know, I had a fever um, 18 to 36 hours later, that fever broke. See you later. And I was feeling better. How do you quantify the difference between somebody who had the vaccine and somebody who didn't have the vaccine and their reaction to getting COVID-19. You can't. You have no way of knowing whether the person who got vaccinated would or wouldn't have had the exact same reaction had they not gotten vaccinated. You have no way to scientifically quantify that. None. It is a statistical impossibility. It is a scientific impossibility. There's no way. Am I missing something here, Pat? No, 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 you're not. And this is why, you you know, I'm more in favor every day of of doing a Nuremberg tribunal for these jerks that have forced this jab down our throats. Because, I mean, even Fauci to this day is still jab me harder, tiny dancer, and wants to make sure everyone is jabbed and jabbed harder. Keep getting jabbed. No, no. And Pfizer continued the representative adding, quote, over the course of this deadly pandemic, mRNA vaccines have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. How do you know that? You cannot quantify that. That's an impossibility. More importantly, they say tens of billions of dollars as well in healthcare costs and enable people worldwide to go about their lives more freely. As of November 27th, 2022, we have delivered 4.3 billion vaccines to 181 countries and territories in every region of the world. So what? In what we are seeing for the results of your situation, and by the way, also other companies' mRNA-based vaccinations like AstraZeneca, right? Like Moderna. What riddle me this Pfizer riddle me this FDA and CDC as you suggest that we jab harder. What what pray tell what what information are they basing? Don't get your vaccine under the age of 30 for for in, let's say, uh, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Norway, uh, the UK, Germany. What what? Oh, it's the fact that there are very serious consequences versus, oh, it's a risk-benefit analysis in which they are not going to recommend that. Meanwhile, here in the United States of America, we have get the science trademark, the truth-registered trademark, 
our Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci telling us you've got to you've got to get another booster and get vaccinated, even if you're six months old. What the F? And with that, Pat, it's time for us to play the B or not the B before we get in to WTF Wednesday. All right, it is a WTF Wednesday, and it is the B or not the B. Hit me with the headline. Hmm? Say what, Pat? It would be helpful if you uh, turned your microphone on. It would be helpful if I turned my mic on, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's try that again. Today's headline, how to get your, your book approved for the school library. How to get your book approved for the school library. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. And while you're thinking about that, sir, uh-huh, uh-huh. folks, if you haven't gone to Coffee Brand Coffee yet, you really should. They're the, you need a good stocking stuffer this Christmas season, and you have a uh, coffee drinker in your family. Or it's a great stocking stuffer. Don't you don't have to be a coffee drinker. drinker. Could be a hot chocolate. Could be tea. Could be one of the uh, those other two options. Could be those things. I myself am a, a hot chocolate kind of guy. Um, especially this time of year. Yeah, yesterday, shovel in my driveway. I can't, I can't tell you how good that hot chocolate was because it was awesome after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so all you need to do is go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Use the promo code critical thinking at checkout. You'll get 5% off your purchase. Again, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Use the promo code critical thinking at checkout and get 5% off your purchase today okay how to get your book approved for the school library is this the b or not the b andrew coppins your answer i'm gonna go with this being the babylon b uh be like 10 ways or seven ways uh to get your book approved are you sure yes i'm a hundred percent sure well you would be correct this is the babylon b however i did give you the full headline hey um, <clears throat> You're slacking there, uh, Babylon B. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, school libraries are safe spaces for children to open their minds to the virtues of cross-dressing and communism. But if you wrote a book about sea turtles and their wacky adventures, you may find trouble getting your story approved by the librarian. You're going to need an, to update that timeless tale for a contemporary audience. Here's what publishers publishers say libraries are looking for. One, douse it in glitter and blue lipstick. Uh, Librarians don't spend a lot of time reading, so if the cover appeals to them, you're in. Two, make sure there are no whites on the cover. Better yet, don't include whites at all. Three, include at least one pornographic description of a sexual act performed by barracudas four consider adding dragons even if you even if it's a book about world war ii gay dragons are always welcome five rainbows 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 as long as you're not talking about noah that bigot six dress and drag for the author photo you look fine mm-hmm. seven Get Yoel Roth to write a special forward for your book. He's the arbiter of all knowledge. Is he? Is he? And then then eight. 
have the story end with the destruction of the world due to climate change. If your parents had an electric car, the dinosaurs would still be alive today. <sighs> Just... <clears throat> Ah, it's time to move forward. It is a WTF Wednesday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that is music to my ears, Pat. I'm going to start with one story here on my end. Um, <clears throat> here's the headline. Drake Queen invited to Biden White House once performed for a two-year-old boy. Um... I will say this. This was at some sort of like drag queen brunch or whatever. This was maybe about a year ago or something. But um, apparently this person's whatever, Marty G. Cummings, a drag queen. Um, wait, wait. Weren't they invited to the signing of the Disrespect yes. for Marriage Act? Okay. Correct. They were invited to this. Okay. But there's a video of Cummings singing the children's song, song, children's song, Baby Shark, to a toddler three years ago. Three years ago, folks. Footage showed Cummings donned in a wig, high heel boots, and leotard tightly hugging um, the nether regions, clapping along with the tune, and at one point spinning onto a long table and briefly drawing attention to the nether regions. A man who appeared to be the boy's father, smiling, bouncing the child on his knee, and recording the interaction while grinning from ear to ear. And that, folks, is how you groom a child. The end. You sick and twisted perverts. And now, so basically what you're telling me now is not only do we have an incompetent White House, we have a very perverted White House. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just, just wanted to clarify. Um. Yeah. Um uh yeah. Oh. Also this individual, I believe this is the individual who decided to talk about um how shall I put this delicately? How children apparently love to um perform um sexual acts on things and how they love to see it. This is a person who is now invited to the White House. And furthermore, Pat, I've got a very large question. What the hell does Drake Queen Story Hour have to do with the respect for marriage? It, what does it, well, trans anything have to do with the respect for marriage? Is isn't it isn't it at this point? I mean, and I, I would even go along with the disrespect for marriage act. It, it, it's less about marriage at this point, isn't it? And it's more about the perversion of the church of me and self gratification. You and I know that, but they right. are attempting to sell the American people that this is the respect for. I just have a very simple question. What do Drake, Drake queens and marriage have anything to do with each other? Nothing. Would I get Nothing. having a bunch of lesbians and a bunch of gay men up there for this respect for marriage? 
I sure. can get that. Sure, yeah. I can get the optics of that. I can understand right. the optics of wanting to do that. I have no earthly idea what a drag queen has to do with effing marriage. Other Nothing. than, well, they are effing marriage up. This is the perversion of marriage. This is this is what it boils down to. It is the perversion of marriage. Marriage is just whatever the hell you want to define it now? No, it's not. No, I'm not going to... I am not. I have never. I will not ever affirm your subjective reality. That is just not going to happen. And, and it's like the parent who just gives in to the child because the child thinks it's right. Right? Like... Well, because I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, mom, I wanna, I want, fine. No, because if you do that, you gave them the mile. So no, thank you. Um, also, Pat, um, I think there's another WTF headline along these, uh, along these routes here, um, because uh, social media has gone wild because the Cambridge Dictionary has redefined both woman and man. Oh dear. Yeah, that's right. There's a fifth definition of a, a a woman or a man, Pat. Do you happen to have those definitions in front of you? The, the, there's a fifth. Yeah, go go look it up. Five? Go look it up. Oh boy. Um let's see. Um According to <clears throat> according to the Cambridge Dictionary, a woman is a noun, is an adult female human being. Wait for this. <laughs> an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. Oh, geez. Informally known as a wife or female sexual partner. And also women in general. Wait, wait, what? What what does that mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're welcome for that. And also it's very similar for men. It's basically the opposite of women, but uh, it's a person who identifies as male. Yep. I'm going to go with hard pass on that. So, Literally just language is fluid. I mean, rules of the game and, and shortening of language and linguistics have changed over time. Obviously, we don't speak old English anymore. Right, Pat? No. Um, I'm not suggesting that language cannot change. What I am suggesting is that language cannot change with the whims of somebody's feelings. That, that's, that's not how this works. And, and and I saw this argument from the left when Matt Walsh was making this argument over, I don't have to affirm your linguistics, and more importantly, your suggestion that gender is a real thing. No, gender is a linguistic thing, and there are rules. As you pointed out, they, them, and all of the things that we have talked about with that. I agree 100%. Linguistically speaking, Sentence structure speaking, you cannot use they, them as a noun. Not only that, uh, he mentioned, I think it was on Twitter the other day where I saw this. Uh, he had mentioned that you can't own your pronouns. 
Pronouns are, wait for it, pronouns. I, I just. By the way, it's crap like this that makes me think we're doomed. We're screwed. Second coming, please happen. Why? Why do they call them pronouns, Pat? Why are they? Why is this a thing linguistically? Sentence structure wise. Because it's <clears throat> about a noun that's already been mentioned. It is used instead of a noun. It is used as a substitute for a noun whose reference are already named or understood. What are we doing here, folks? By the way, guess what? You can't change. And, and I saw people talk about, well, look at uh, look at the gendered uh, language of, you know, Spanish or German or French, right? Yes, you can't change that. Why? Because if you did, you would change the very meaning of words and sentences. To suggest that you go from a masculine to a feminine or from a masculine to a mix or whatever changes how you would understand what they're trying to tell you. Right. I just. There are sentence structures for a reason. They haven't changed over time how we use language has how we interpret language has for the love of all things holy sentence structure can't change its structure for a reason why is it structured for a reason because it's how we understand what somebody else is telling us you effing morons with that pat you've got a few wtf moments in fact you know what i'm just going to go through my last one here because because okay. this this speaks well well you know what pat i identify as bi caramel and i think that matters right bi caramel bipartisan support was had for this uh, piece of legislation you you mean by caramel um she means by caramel no Just she said by caramel it's by it's it's what it's by it's by caramel, but that's not what she was talking about, right? I know that's not what she was talking about, but but she said what, by what caramel. is she talking about then? By cameral? Yes, by cameral. <laughs> Which, Meaning by the way, the, the way two, she's using it is the, incorrect the, as well. Hmm? The way she means that is incorrect as well. Yeah, yeah, that that that's not how oh. it's not by cameral legislation. That's not how legislation works. Period. Amen. Literally, there is a structure, that word again, to how legislation is put together. There are certain bills that can be, can only be presented in one house than the other. 
there are certain bills that could be presented in either one of them, but cannot be presented in one and then the other at the exact same time and then go through reconciliation. That's not how that works. They must be passed by one house and then passed to the other. And if the two are not the same, they go through reconciliation processes, right? And then voted on by both branches of the legislative body of our structure. There is no such thing as bicameral legislation. There's bipartisan legislation, right? Bipartisan meaning the two parties have come together to create a bill in which both parties agree will likely pass. But, but Andrew, I mean, what you just said is absolute bigotry because clearly cringe Jean-Pierre identifies as bicarmel and bicarmel. No, she doesn't. She definitely identifies as a black lesbian. That's who she identifies as. Cause that's who she'd be. I didn't. I didn't even think about that at first because that actually kind of works for that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> with that having oh, been said, Pat, man. we're not done with KGP. I mean, oh, cr- cringe, John Pierre. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, does President Biden support or oppose legislation legislation that is stalled in Congress to create a 9-11 style commission to investigate the U.S. response to the COVID pandemic? What is the White House position on, on this? So I think this has been asked before, I think during uh, Jen's tenure. I don't have anything uh, more to add or more to uh, look into on this. I would have to go back to the team and see if our position has changed, uh, but nothing well, new for you. What was the position? No, I'm just saying I, I know that this has come up. I just don't have anything else, uh, new to add but or so to go back it, and ask and to see where we are on that. So whether you, but does the administration support it or oppose it? I just, I just answered your question. I said, I know this has come up in the past, but I don't know if we've changed our position. I have to go back to see exactly where we are on that particular question. Cringe Jean-Pierre. I mean, incompetent Jean-Pierre. My, I I have questions here. My, My first is, um, if this was said before, mm-hmm. and you don't know what was said before, why not just say, I don't know? I'd have to get back to you, and then I have to check with our team and see what they said before and see if that is still our position today. Why not just say that? Secondly, That's what she said. Eventually. Eventually. But she should have led with that. She's secondly incompetent. Just there's just, no way there is just no way that, that the Biden administration is ever going to support that. No way. No, because to do so would do would be to challenge the very premise of Joe Biden's covid response. And and it, part just, of it would be the legitimacy of his presidency, too. I was gonna say that's that's basically a yeah. challenge to the legitimacy of his presidency. So. I don't know why she couldn't just say say like, like no, we're we're not in favor of that because that would not have been a far reach. No, it would not have been. It would not have been. All right. So that having been said, Pat, um, I also have this um, from Congress. Now, remind you, we are talking about online harassment and Elon Musk and and uh, uh, open letters from. From companies, how how dare you? How the employees of the companies, how dare you interview Elon Musk? He's a bigot and a racist and a homophobe and blah, 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 blah. Except for he's one of you, just he likes free speech. Um, 
Um, what 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 if I told you that um, the very same people who decry and deride harassment online um, pull this off in Congress? Is rhetoric on social media a problem and a threat to our democracy, Mr. Ward? Yes, absolutely. Mr. Siegel. Yes. Ms. Caraballo. Yes. Ms. Nomani. Yes. Ms. Tyler. Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> another question I have. Uh, do you believe that rhetoric targeting officials with violence for carrying out their constitutional duties um, is a threat to democracy, Mr. Ward? Mr. Siegel. Yes. 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 <clears throat> All right, thank you very much. Only a few weeks after the attempted attack on a Supreme Court justice on June 25th, one of the witnesses, Alejandra Caraballo, tweeted out the following in response to a decision on abortion overturning Roe v. Wade, and I'll quote directly from the tweet, the six justices who overturned Roe should never know peace again. It is our civic duty to accost them every time they're in public. They are pariahs. Since women don't have their rights, these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public again. I know something about being accosted. The night of January 5th, I was physically accosted on the streets of DC in Navy Yard by a constituent of mine. I fervently blamed rhetoric rhetoric on social media, rhetoric at public events, for being physically accosted. I carry a gun everywhere I go when I am in my district and I'm at home because I know personally that rhetoric has consequences. I've had my car keyed. I've had my house spray painted. I had someone trespass in my house as recently as August. I've been doxxed on social media about where I live. Um, and I've had to add to security everywhere I go, often because I can't afford it. I have to carry my own firearm wherever I go. And um, Alejandra Caraballo also recently tweeted on November 19th, not even a month ago, that the Supreme Court vested with the judicial power of the United States by our Constitution stated they are not a legitimate court issuing decisions. And also the Supreme Court is an organ of the far right. So my last question today of Ms. Caraballo, do you stand by these comments, this kind of rhetoric on social media, and do you believe it's a threat to democracy? Thank you, Representative, for the opportunity to clarify and provide context to my tweets. <clears throat> um, I have a question, is it yes or no? Do you believe your rhetoric is a threat to democracy when you're calling to accost a branch of government, the Supreme Court, I don't believe that's a correct uh, characterization of my tweeted, statements. Though. Did you not tweet that? That you thought that the Supreme Court justices should be accosted? Did what I'm saying is that that, that is no? not an accurate characterization of my statements. On June 8th of this year, a man was arrested near Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home in Maryland. <laughs> and it goes on. And that's Representative Nacy Mace of, uh, of South Carolina, by the way. This is the game the left is always going to play, right? Oh, I deride, I deride hateful rhetoric and and harassment online. Except for when I use the the hateful harassing calls for physical violence language. But that's that's not what I meant by that. I meant a cost in a in a a peaceful manner. Except you said they, they she actually said. Class. They don't deserve peace. 
Yeah, exactly. You mm-hmm. said they don't deserve peace. They don't deserve a peaceful moment in public ever again. And on top of that, that they deserve to be accosted. Uh, I'm going to go to the uh, dictionary here. <clears throat> the definition of accost is to approach and address somebody boldly or aggressively. Huh. Could, could, could by that by that definition, could that mean a result of violence? Potentially. Yes, yes. And accost mm. is oftentimes associated with violence. Mm, mm, you, you took that out of context. No, 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 no. We have talked about confrontation a thousand times on this show, right? Have you have we ever ever said ever use the language of cost? Hit, punch, kick, violence. No. Confrontation does not mean violence. Confrontation means you can be aggressive. Confrontation means that you can shout. Confrontation means that you can stand firm in your belief and stand firm in your language and rhetoric. But you can do it peacefully, right? I can stand right in your face. And I can tell you that everything that you're doing is wrong, that you are grooming children. You are presenting this. You are doing that. I can do that. But sometimes language means what it means. And for these individuals to sit there and pull the wool over our eyes and suggest that, oh, you took that out of context. That was a tweet, right? What was the next tweet? What, what, what possible out of context can the word accost be? You chose your words for a reason. And if you meant something else, you should have used a different term. Would I suggest that um, confrontation could have been used there? Sure. And would I have supported that? Yes. If, if that is your fervent belief that Roe versus Wade is, is settled law, if you fervently believe that abortion on demand should be something that everybody gets, should you confront the enemy? Potentially, yeah. But we see it all the time. Here's the problem. Your side gets violent every time that confrontation happens. It ain't the March for Life people that are sitting there beating people up for, for their belief system. Nope. In fact, we've got a whole tape of Nick Sandman to prove it for you. Literally. Ask CNN what it's like when you misuse and miscontextualize language in video. Hundreds of millions of dollars to Nick Sandman. That's what it costs you. That kid will never have to work, work a day in his life. But these people... They mean what they say. Mm-hmm. They just don't like being confronted about the meaning nope. of what they say. They do not. That right there was Nancy Mace looking <clears throat> that leftist in the eyes, confronting them about their language and about what they mean and about their their rhetoric that leads to violence. Literally, she is promoting violence of these individuals and saying, do you believe what you said? 
Oh, no, you miscontextualized it. Did I? They continue on and on and on about how, well, no, I meant something else. Then use that language. You don't get to play semantic games anymore. Nope. No. Nope. 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 With that being said, Pat, I, I believe you've got a few uh, WTF <clears throat> moments. Well, I mean, you took most of mine, but oh, uh, it, you, no, it's fine. Um, Pete uh, Buttigieg. Buttigieg? Giggity, giggity. Been using uh, taxpayer dollars to fly privately. Giggity, giggity. All right. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a uh, Trump admin official that was forced out for doing the same thing or something similar? Yes, yes, because that, um, um, wait for this. An ethics violation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also, I think... <clears throat> wait for this. Wait for this, Pat. Mm-hmm. Illegal. Yeah. Uh, um, also, isn't it kind of ironic that this is coming from the uh, the, sec- the, the secretary of what? Transportation? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mr. I love my uh, electric vehicle. By the way, I uh, mean... Um, Fast uh, flash forward. We we've got two deep uh, thought deep dives tomorrow on on tomorrow's program. So um, wh- what we're going to be talking about on tomorrow's program? Number one is uh, electric vehicles, uh-huh. and the assertion that this is a moral good. Um, we're going to talk about that because this is a transformative moment. Okay, and then we're also going to be talking about uh, what was the other topic, Pat? Um, it's slipping my mind as I was thinking about the electric vehicle. Uh, free speech. Ah, yes. The assertion that um, the right now suddenly is uh, against free speech. Hmm. Okay. We're, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're going to talk about that. So free speech and electric vehicles tomorrow on a deep dive Thursday here in the program. So uh, if you if you want uh, to get prepared, do so. All right. Um, but. But wait, wait, wait. Pete Buttigieg. The... Anyway, moving forward, do you have any other ones here? Um, I have one that's not necessarily... The headline in of itself is not necessarily WTF. Yep. But I think the whole situation for this is WTF. Criminal charges against Democrat uh, mega donors Sam Bankman-Fried unsealed faces life in prison denied bail. I saw this yesterday. I'm like, wow, um, life in prison. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's what, you know, is deserved here or not. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on that. My question is what took them so long to get this guy arrested? Good question. I mean, sometimes it, uh, here's the rub on this because it, you, you look all the way back to like the gangster era of the 1920s and thirties, right? When you look at, uh, eventually getting who they got right mm. the paper trail often takes way longer than the than the drug trail or or whatever else have yeah. you yeah because it takes a lot longer to unravel that i mean they literally pat i i don't know if people know this ftx literally had an internal communications channel titled wire fraud i what the f- 
He faces life in prison, denied bail for a reason. I, and like we talked about on yesterday's show, this could be the end of cryptocurrency as we see it, uh, because I don't see a path forward in which this information doesn't suggest that this could happen elsewhere. And um, I would also suggest that you be a discerning consumer of whom you interact with when it comes to investments. That's always been the case. Mm -hmm. um, be a discerning consumer of those things. Find places in which you can trust that um, they actually are doing their fiduciary duty. It's very difficult, but guess what, folks? You have to do your homework today. You can't just sit on the sidelines and just whatever you want. That's right. not how this life is working anymore. You have to make informed, conscious decisions. You have to be intentional about everything that you do in life today. You can't just go on a whim. You can maybe have some spontaneity, right? But the big decisions have to be things in which you are intentional about. Intentional in your thoughts, your actions, your tweets, your business, your brand building. You have to be intentional. These The days of being able to throw things against the wall and just letting it stick are done because that one time you threw that spaghetti against the wall and it didn't stick like 10 years ago is going to come back to bite you in the ass today. Now, the other uh, WTF moment here is not so much WTF, but um, I think this is probably the right maneuver. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how people in the real estate industry and some other industries um, react to this. But uh, both the bicameral legislation to ban TikTok in the United States has uh, has been put forth in both the House and the Senate. And by the way, bipartisan. Senator Marco is that, Rubio. Is that as a whole or is that just for state, like state, federal, no, local? Nope, nope, nope. Banning is it everybody? completely amen. Completely for everybody. And there are legit reasons for this, like legit mm -hmm. national security issues at hand here because of the, the data access that the Chinese Communist Party has to you and I and our daily lives. And that's why for me, having it for real estate, I have siloed that information. Um, it, it, it can't find certain aspects of my information. It can find most of my interactions on the phone and stuff like that. I mean, that that's unavoidable with TikTok, but here's the reality. I'm going where the, the, the market is, right? You kind of right. have to do that. You can't you can't just sit on the sideline to sit on the sideline. Um, it, you'll die on the vine. But it'll be interesting to see how people pivot should this actually go through, and and what happens. Are reels going to be more important? Uh, how does Instagram take advantage of this? Is there going to be a TikTok like competitor that comes up here in the United States of America? My my suggestion and Pat, I think this is something we're going to do. I think um, for one of our shows. Um, in the interim between Christmas and New Year's, how would you, if you were Elon Musk, how would you rebuild Twitter? And I have some thoughts. Um, I think it would be, I think it would involve um, finding a hybrid between Twitter and uh, what exists currently uh, with some other platforms. Um, and we'll go from there. But with that being said, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember, you are no means no and WTF, mate. 
And by the way, happy birthday to Juan Padoni. Um, I'm going to get you a victory for your Ohio State Buckeyes over UNC this weekend um, in basketball. And with that being said, please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547.